The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and joining me for the show today. Taking a look at the news and looking around at our reality right now, it's really easy to feel powerless. So many things seem like they're out of our control. And for me, sometimes it's easy to just go into overdrive or auto drive, I guess, not overdrive, and just let things happen rather than take control and take the power back. You know, sometimes you just are are not having the energy, I guess, to fight that. But we're going to overcome our powerlessness today. My guest believes that we have unlimited potential and that we can have big dreams and take action to fulfill the vision our soul has for us. And my guest is Les Jensen. He's the founder of New Human Living, a published author, radio host, and a speaker who is interested in peak human development. And he's also a seeker. And I've been interested in people who are looking for answers and want to share their stories. So I think we're going to have a great conversation today. The book that I've been spending time with is Citizen King, The New Age of Power. And interestingly enough, this was first published um, like way back in 2009. It's been redone and republished. So I was reading the newer edition here, and it's really fascinating. So um, I'm interested to get into the conversation here with Les. So welcome to the show today, and thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. And chatting with our Unity listeners, I I see that you have been a a guest on Unity Radio before on some other shows. Well, I'm sure. I've done just hundreds of shows over the years, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. (laughs) Right. it's It's been a lot, I'm sure. I noticed as I was looking back in our archives, you were a guest on one of our our other shows with uh, Reverend Temple Hayes. Oh, okay, talking about right. one of your other books. Yes. Yeah, she's she's amazing. So I'm glad you could join us today and, and chat again to the Unity audience. I was looking at your website and I was watching the video of your journey to awakening. And I'm really curious to find out about this event that you describe, an energy event that you said was a big catalyst in your spiritual growth. And I thought that would be a great place to start because it seemed like you were kind of you know, moving along in your life and, and everything was, was just normal. And then you had this amazing experience. So I'd, I'd like to hear about that. Well, sure. You know how our soul can plan our whole life and set us up for our opportunities. I had spent my early days in broadcast television engineering, working with these really high power television transmitters. I mean, a million watts of power. We paid Our electric bill was $7,000 a month. I mean, this is a lot of power. And I'd press the go button on one of these transmitters and this power would ramp up. And I, in hindsight, I look at that and I think my soul wanted me to understand what power was before this event. And so the event was, like you said, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I was, I had spent a, about two years on a shrink's couch. 
And one particular evening, he said, Les, let's talk about anger. And I'm like, this is pointless. I don't get angry. And he kind of put out his hand. He said, come on, push on my hand. Show me your anger. And I push and I kind of sink in the overstuffed couch and nothing happened. He kind of got up in my face and he said, look, you know what? I'm safe. You're safe. In fact, I, I want you to show me your anger. Can you do that for me? And he put his hand out again. And I tell you what, in that moment, some magic valve in my psyche opened up and just like turn on a transmitter, oh, all this immense energy is pouring out of my psyche. It's just like this volcano of energy. And I remember at the time I'm startled. I'm like, what are you? And and the anger was really indifferent. It's like, I don't care. Think of me what you may. I'm out of here. And in that moment, my engineering brain said, wait, time out. What was that? And if that's in my psyche, what else is in my psyche? And that was 25 years ago. And so for the last 25 years, I've really investigated this human persona as a uh, an energetic collage, if you will, if that makes sense. So in the, the term persona, um, I think that's interesting, energetic collage. So w- would you describe that as the, the energy of, of our personalities, of, um, you know, who we really are? Or, or just that was anger just kind of shooting out of the top of your head? Well, the... Uh, the reason I used the term persona is I wanted to come up with a new term that uh, that nobody had an association with because that energy that came out of my psyche was stored in my subconscious. And in hindsight, boy, howdy, it was a lot of karma. It, It influenced my every single day. And so when I say persona, I'm talking about the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, the multidimensional aspect of ourself as a spirit. It's like the whole enchilada. And so when I say persona, it's like the collage of all that I am in any flavor or form of energy. And of course, the quantum field just mirrors that back to me. Well, I was I was curious about that. So as I was reading the book and I was doing a little research on your site and I saw that you had written the book a few years back and it seemed like now people are catching up to what you were talking about, you know, back back in 09 or even I think this book was originally conceived. Was it even before then? Was it 05? Um, I wrote um, a book that I never published, uh, Swimming With Your Boots On, uh, that I can't remember the subtitle, like uh, the human experience as energy, if you will. And uh took me six years to write it. And I, I literally scrapped it because I had evolved so much in six years that the chapters were kind of like popcorn in perception. And you want continuity in a book. So I literally wrote the book and then never published it. And the very next book I wrote in 2009 was the first copy of Citizen King. I think energy is a is a magnificent way to look at our experience as a human persona. Because, for example, the reason I had so much anger in my psyche is because anger was a decisive element in my family of origin. And so every time I'd go to feel inner, uh, anger, 
I had a subconscious, and this is very, very important. I had a subconscious mechanism that said, nope, that's not going to happen. Stuff it. And so over the decades, I accumulated more and more anger, and I'm grinding my teeth in my sleep. I'm having digestive tract problems. I'm starting to get ulcers. And all that vanished after that first episode of release. So do you believe that we're all just really made up of energy? Certainly. Absolutely. And, and as I was saying, the, the advantage of the energetic perspective is not only is it fresh, the ego doesn't have any history of looking at things from an energetic perspective. Because when you go in to clean up your psyche, you're going to notice energy that you don't have an understanding of it's it it's uh you won't recognize it as anything in particular but still it's present in your personal energy persona and so it's also present in the reflection of the quantum field of your day in and day out experience and in the beginning of the book as i was just starting to get into citizen king you encourage people to become aware that their human consciousness personified and that there is an infinite field of potentiality that exists for our lives. And I think I love the idea of that infinite field of potentiality. And people started to find out more about this in movies like what the bleep and things like that. I'm just wondering in, since the time that you've written the book and then this other information has come to light, I mean, have, have your opinions changed about that field and what's possible? Oh, they've they've very much have honed. I've I've honed my understanding of it. Um, what is possible is literally without limit. The as unity consciousness knows that um, we're all one consciousness. We're a holographic field of source consciousness. And as such, I cannot imagine anything that is not possible. It, it's the, the fabrication of reality is the creation of consciousness itself. But in, um, in order to experience it in, my, in this now experience, I like the notion of faith being no thought instead of thought no energy contrary. And so when my persona has the exact vibration of the vision or the dream that my soul has for my life, the quantum mirror has no bias of its own and it will reflect back to me. So that mirror, that quantum mirror has no stipulation of its own. A mirror doesn't care. And so whatever energy I present to it, I will certainly experience as a reflection back to me as a creation. So do you feel that we, we come in or we incarnate into the, these lives that we're living right now, that there is a, a plan for us that, that we can achieve or we're the ones, or we're the ones that are creating it? You know what I mean? Like there's sure. there's not something already laid out. There's potentialities of things that could happen, right? Sure. But there's not something laid out for us. Yeah. I think the ego is the lowest common denominator. So in other words, 
our soul will look at the possibility of an incarnation and, and choose a fi family dynamic, choose karmic lessons, and kind of set ourselves up for a possibility of manifestation. And I believe that for the vast majority of incarnations, a fraction of them, a tiny fraction of them will even come close to manifesting what's possible. Our soul can, our soul doesn't know the concept of limitation. Our soul doesn't know the concept of fear or doubt or worry. That's all ego. The day we're born, we don't have an ego. And the family dynamic that we incarnate into teaches us how to think. It says, this is a chair. This is a Bible. This is a house. And then it comes around and assigns value to all the symbols. And boy, how do you talk about a karmic momentum? You're creating this, this, uh, this karmic structure of, of the sense of self that the ego creates. And, and they're typically a very big difference between that persona and the possibilities that our soul has in queue for us to experience. And you mentioned uh, family dynamics and family of origin stuff. And I think that's so interesting because I'm always fascinated of, you know, where people come from, where they get the beliefs or, or things that they bring with them throughout their life. And, and I was reading in your bio that you come from a big, big family, a Mormon family. It was what, seven kids? Yep. What, a, what were some of the things that you, you think that you, you know, that you had to shift or change? It was a gift from heaven because my folks were totally burned out from, from kiddom. And I remember my folks would say, does anyone see less? Not what is he doing? Not is he in danger? Do you see him? And if any of my siblings went, yep, that was it. So I had fierce freedom to think whatever I want, to decide whatever I want, to do whatever I want. So I kind of grew up in a cocoon of uh, perception that didn't have me in the dogma of, of the collective consciousness. And I think that's why my writings are so fresh for people is because I have that kind of outsider view of what everybody else has been kind of indoctr indoctrinated in, if that makes sense. Right. No, it does. I was just thinking of my own, um, you know, background growing up and I grew up in a, a Catholic family. So I did all the rituals and things like that. And then I didn't really question it when I was younger because it was more, oh, we're going to go to church and then get a donut after, you know, I was looking for that reward. <laughs> after that. But then when I got older, I started having those questions like, is there really a hell? Is, is this really evil or that kind of thing? But but you're saying you had the freedom as, as a child to not really be indoctrinated with those kind of things. So you didn't have like a, a strict Mormon um, upbringing or things that you felt you had to question later, I guess. Oh, oh quite contrary. I had an extremely stout Mormon environment. My dad was, a, as I mentioned, was a World War II vet, and 
um, when he, he would look up and think of God and tears had come to his eyes, he made the, the bishop and the church leaders look like rookies because he would, he would so immerse in emotion when he talked about God. And I'm sure that came from World War II and surviving that. I can't even comprehend what he went through. So in our, in our household, it was, um, I, I grew up in a small town in Utah. So it's like 95% Mormon. This is like a twilight zone. This is like a really messed up episode of the twilight zone. Imagine having a question and asking anybody you run into and you get the exact same answer. Lights on, nobody home. And so I was supposed to just drink it up and I'm like, wait, time out in that in that free thought thing. I'm like, this doesn't make sense and this doesn't make sense. So um, I think my soul chose for me to be put in an environment where I would want to question everything and then give me the freedom to come up with any answer I wanted to. Right. No, that's interesting because I, I felt a similar, similar way where I just had those questions as I got older, like 13, 14, 15, I started saying, is that really right? You know, are we really going to go to hell? Or is, is God really that angry? Right. You know, the, all those kinds of questions. Um, so, so I think that's interesting. I mean, what would you say to people to take some steps to, I mean, this is later on in the book, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but sure. to remove some of that old patterning, because I think so many people, um, definitely a lot of people that, that come to unity have had that, those patterns that they felt were really, you know, hurtful or painful. Maybe they were told their sexuality or their gender was wrong and, and those kinds of things. And you know, they started having those questions. I mean, how did you take steps to remove some of the old patterns? Not, not even just from religion, but maybe other things too. Sure. Well, um, it wasn't really on my radar until I got cracked open. And, and that's when I realized that everything that has a karmic propensity or a, a karmic uh, a presence in my life has an energetic component component within my personal energy persona. So um, how do you how do you navigate? How do you release? How do you cleanse family karma? Great question. Well, first of all, don't try to smear it over. Don't do it like a spiritual bypass with it. You're going to want to delve into the feeling. We came here for the lesson, and the lesson is the energetic loading up of our psyche with karma, and then the releasing from our psyche. Zero times in the history of all that is, did some glowing orb go up to somebody and praying them, and they turn into a ball of white light. That's not why we're here. And so process of feelings. A good thing to do is uh, look at your family origin and think of three or four emotions and, and be careful because some of the most pronounced emotions were the taboo emotions. Like in my family, anger. No, My dad would get so mad, he cut you in half with his eyes. He never hit us. But he was a big man. And he'd look at you with a, a stare, you'd melt. It's like death ray eyes. And so in that dynamic, we were to never... 
arouse anger in the family dynamic. So right before I got cracked open, I wouldn't have even listed anger. And that was the elephant in the room. So list three or four of the most prominent emotions that had a reaction to your parents because they passed that stigma on to you. And then learn how, when the emotion comes up, catch yourself before you drop into reaction and just feel it because all it wants is to be released out of your psyche, if that makes sense. No, it does. And actually, it sounds like our our fathers were similar uh, in, in that way, because I remember my dad would have like the look and he never he wasn't physical, you know, or hit us or anything like that. But it was still that fear, I guess, of that possibly happening that, right. you know, the look would just kind of stop you in your tracks or he'd raise his voice, you know, and then we would. you know. So and I, I've noticed that as I got older, even if, you know, if, an, if something escalates or a voice gets raised, then that fear will come up in me. And, so and I'm what, sure that's what a direct you, connection. And, and what's your reaction when that comes up? Because that's your karma. If, if you drop into pattern at that point, you're, you're perpetuating the cycle. But if you catch it mm-hmm. and feel the, it, it's like you become comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, here's the fear. Oh, oh. And I want to react, but I just sit with it. And now it can release out of my psyche. And a big thing happens here. Because now I have experience feeling it without dropping into pattern, and I lose my fear of it. My ego was scared to death of anger, avoided at all costs. And that really um, robbed me of my power in a very, very big way. I cannot state that clearly enough. Anger was deciding the vast majority of my day, and I was not conscious of it. Wow. So anger was uh, affecting your decisions, but you weren't really aware of it because you were pushing it down. That's right. So I would avoid anything that might, just might, lead to a feeling of anger. My my, My boss was three things. He was evil, malicious. No, no, no. He was my angel. I'm sure I had a huge soul contract with him because every day he'd come in and just belittle me and my anger would stir up and I'd go home and gnash my teeth and I'd finally get back to a calm and go in the next day. For 10 years, he stirred me up. He stirred my anger up. He's such a, a diligent, malicious person And I realized he was one of the most prominent souls in my soul contract collage because he was there to ensure that eventually I would pop and crack open. And then my engineer brain had watched that and go, wait, time out. And that started a whole new dynamic. My life changed like a bug hitting a windshield. Wow. So he turned out to be a real teacher along along the way. And yeah. that happens so often, right? Those people that are really, you know, getting under your skin, really needling you. I mean, I, I've worked with people like that, you know, when you go yeah. home and you replay the conversations and you sweat it out and, you know, yeah. lose sleep over it. And that's really um, a great, great teacher and great experience in your life. 
You don't see that till later, though, right? Well, if if you're healthy with your emotions, no matter how intense it is, you're done with it in a few minutes, and you're free, free after those few minutes. But that doesn't happen until we capitulate, till we release it out of our psyche. If it if it's not in our psyche, there's nothing there to be triggered. Like some, um, I could have before I cracked open, I could have decided this. This boss is very mean. I'm going to move somewhere else. And I would attract a new improved teacher, and it would take me years to get back to that breaking point. Like people say, well, my relationship's all messed up. I'm like, you've got a wonderful teacher, and they live in the same house. Don't run away before you learn the lesson. (laughs) Because you'll you'll just go, you'll recreate it with, with the next persona. That that's good to remember. That's so true. And I'm curious about how old were you when this experience happened, when you were able to release all that anger energy? 35. 35. Okay. And, and I'm over 60 now. So I've, for the last 25 years, I've really been diving into my psyche and figuring out this, um, this human persona experience with the quantum field of of manifestation. So. Right. Well, once you start asking those questions and start kind of going down like that quant, the quantum rabbit hole, I guess there, then there's just more questions, right? Oh, because sure. it's so fascinating. Uh, I find this whole topic so interesting. <laughs> I'm talking with Les Jensen about his book, Citizen King and many other things. And you can find him online at lesjensen.com and also at uh, your other website as well, newhumanliving.com. Is that a good site to check out? Yes. Well, um, there's so much I didn't know before the cosmic two by four cracked me open. And so newhumanliving.com is like religion without religion. It's, it's, uh, I teach the principles of, of man of, um, of living out a human incarnation in a, kind of a mechanics sort of way so you can understand kind of the hidden realm of of the subconscious and manifestation that's not obvious. So New Human Living is a platform and lesjensen.com just tells you about how I came about learning um, the material that I write in my books and have on my web pages. And we're just going to take a short break and continue in just a minute talking with Les Jensen on unityonlineradio.org. I'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Welcome back. I'm talking to Les Jensen about his book, Citizen King, and his work, his many years of work delving into the human psyche, human energy, what makes us do what we do. It's it's all so interesting. And uh, one of the things that you do talk about in the book that I, I think people 
really need to grasp this is the power that we're kind of letting slip between our fingers, right? I mean, we are infinitely more powerful than we really believe. And you say to get clear about our dreams and what we really want, but is there a way to do that and still be realistic and, and keep things obtainable or is, or do you just feel like there's no limits? Well, look at Jesus. Jesus manifests out of thin air. He heals the sick instantaneously. He raises the dead. He walks on water and he says, come on, show up for yourself just a little bit. Have, have the tiniest little faith in yourself. I think we're, we're so far um, out of touch with our potential. The, um, the notion that Jesus is going to come save us. Now, I'm deviating a little bit and going more towards the forgiven sinner material. Jesus is on the cross. It's not like he got close to saving the world. Not at all. He's on the cross and the Roman Empire's making plans for more and more war. He never came here to be our savior. And when he comes back, he's not going to save anybody. What did he tell us? We all can awaken the Christ consciousness in our psyche, and then we will be Christ personified. In my opinion, that's that's his core message is like, step up to the plate. Come on, all of you. And religion says that's taboo because God's going to come save our fannies, and it's just not going to happen. And so we're we're treading water waiting for something that won't happen. And even if Jesus came back, he's not going to fix the problems of humanity. It was never intended to have a single persona be the savior of the masses. It's it's funny you mentioned that because I got in a big debate with uh, <laughs> an Uber driver of all people. I don't even know how this conversation started, but he was very angry when I said to him, he was trying to push his version of things and I said, well, I believe that you know Christ is within all of us. I believe God is within all of us. Sure. And he was very angry at that. He didn't think that that was possible, that what I was saying is how, how could I equate myself, a horrible sinner, being anywhere near there? Right. And, and you know, so, having that possibility. And, and how, many, how many millions and millions of people have that mindset? Oh, I'm just treading water until Jesus shows up. Then he's going to kick sin's right. ass all the way to hell. Nope. Yeah, I think the, a lot of that is just stories. And I and I gave him a very bad review on Uber <laughs> after that after that whole incident. Uh it's funny now, I can laugh about it, but he was very angry in me thinking that I could have any kind of divinity within myself. Right. And you know, people talk about that duality and non-duality, are we are we separate and that kind of thing. Right. Um and I was surprised how angry he got. <laughs> sure. I like it. Well, your your relationship with reality is your relationship with the quantum field. And if the vast majority of your energy is subconscious and you've just got a little bit of consciousness you're running on, you can do affirmations till the cows come home because the unresolved subconscious energies, the majority of the energies that that the quantum field reflects back to you. And so you experience a very static experience of life 
And that gives you a feeling of being powerless because you don't notice change over time. You know, I've read, speaking of, of quantum, you know, physics and, and energy, I've, I've read that a lot of scientists, like, or not, maybe some, a lot, I guess, you know, scientists that study quantum physics, you know, their argument is that, well, this is the study of matter at its most fundamental level, right? And how matter interacts. And then looking at just a scientific point of view, maybe they, some people would say that that's a stretch to add spirituality to the mix. Like if you're looking at it just scientifically, but I think a lot of, you know, some of what you're, you're saying in the book that you can add spirituality to that. Well, indeed. I mean, in the beginning was the light. And so the, the notion of no duality and source consciousness broke and separated from itself so it could observe itself. And and in that duality where mass is, that's that's consciousness dreaming. And so quantum mechanics is actually consciousness mechanics. But I it, if you if you go through the Western academic education system, it's gonna be a stretch for you to make that jump because Western academics wants to measure everything with a micrometer. And if it can't measure it, it does, it thinks it's folly. Right. Right. And that's what I'm most interested in is what you can't see. Right. Or or what can't be measured. And so many people have had experiences that they can't prove, you know, sure. that, That doesn't make them less real. Oh, you bet. Um, everything that's been labeled a miracle the the field the field of miracle is right here right now forever i mean we are source consciousness personified i um to clean your persona out and and take the subconscious and dissolve it and bring it into a conscious space uh, ascended masters have don't have a subconscious they've resolved 100% of their consciousness and if 100% of my consciousness or my energy is conscious, then I have complete and total say in what I project to the quantum field, and that's what gets reflected back. And that's why Jesus can dream up the vibration of a bushel of fish and, and take it from the etherical into the conscious space, and the quantum field reflects it back, and poof! Here's a bushel of fish. Right. The loaves and the fishes. Yeah. So getting back to, to energy, though, and your, your fascination with that, I, I think it's it's interesting. You were a, uh, you know, broadcast engineer, you know, in dealing with uh, currents and things like that. I mean, do you feel that after, you know, we leave these these carbon forms that our consciousness will you know, manifest in another body or could it even be on another planet or are are you open to any of those possibilities? Yes, yes. And yes, um, we are the creator. It's done unto us as we believe, asking it is given. We're driving the boat. Yes. I mean, um, planet Earth is such an advanced classroom for karma because there's so much darkness here. We've chose to go to the very edge of darkness. And if you can incarnate in physical form, forget your truth, and then discover the light within your own persona and, and 
and then embody that light and manifest that light, you're a rock star. A, a calm sea never made a skilled sailor. So we can't take any master classes in what it means to be human incarnated into the human persona unless we incarnate into what we have here, a karmic tsunami. <laughs> right. I mean, looking ahead, if we could time travel, you know, to 500 years from now, I mean, I think it's so interesting to look at the younger generations coming up where they're not as hung up on sexuality or uh, race, things like that. You know, I mean, even when I was in high school in the 80s, I, I see the difference now in the younger generation. I mean, do you have hope that we're evolving to become, you know, a higher being? Well, sure, but we're not having a single narrative. It's not like, I mean, we experience what seems to be a singular narrative in the collective, but there's literally 7 billion personifications of Christ consciousness on the planet. And the timeline for my persona is not dictated by anybody else. In other words, in the future of humanity, there's there's billions of outcomes where it goes from hell to heaven, and I can choose which one I land in. And, and so it's not like there's a singular timeline for all 7 billion of us. We're not going to be dragged into a scenario that we're not an energetic resonance with. So we're never stuck. We're, there's never a moment that we can't change our experience with all that is. And so what's your timeline going to be? Ask you, because you're creating it. Right. That's true. We do have choice. And you talk about that in the book as well, that that is really what gives us power, right? Is that we're able to to choose. So we can choose our reality in, a, in any given moment. Do you believe that? Oh, sure. But what's the likelihood of it? Because I had a, such a stigma with anger, and yet my ego was not even comprehensive of the stigma. So how am I free to choose if I've got all these mechanisms that, that won't allow it? So yes, we're in truth, we are free, but we chose to load ourselves up with an energetic collage that created a karmic momentum. And our... Um, by our ego alone, we're not going to generate enough energy to counter that karmic stigma within our psyche. But if we cleanse our persona, we raise our vibration and there's a much higher wisdom for us, for us to live here. And we'll quit choosing the, the stigmas and the dogmas that had us stuck. And, and as we cleanse our persona, our wand works more because our subconscious energy dissipates and we have more control of the energetic scenario that we're projecting to the quantum mirror, if that makes sense. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> I might make you explain that a, a little bit deeper, but I, I'm interested in, in ego and I want to ask you about this because I've, I've heard a lot of teachers over the years, some have said, well, you need to defeat your ego and overcome your ideas of, of what you think you are. And, and that makes sense to a degree, but I also think that it's important that we have a strong sense of 
who we are, right? Or where well, we fit in. I mean, I guess what would be your your definition of ego or having a strong sense of self? How how would you clarify that? Sure. The ego is not the bad guy, but the ego can can totally consume a hundred percent of your consciousness and thus stop the evolution of your consciousness. You can browse your phone and be on the internet and consume a hundred percent of your day in your mind and your heart and your soul can't even break in to bring in a, a new dynamic as a possibility. But everything you think you are, I'm a dad, I'm a man, I'm an engineer, I'm a writer. I don't want any identification. Doesn't matter if it's real or not. Because when I when I say I am this or I am that, I'm creating a standing wave of energy that that creates a shadow of what I won't acknowledge about myself. And so by becoming empty, I allow myself to resonate with a, a higher truth of myself. The more stigmas I take on about myself, I'm lowering my vibration and I'm creating a, a lattice of consciousness, a lattice of belief. And thus the quantum field says, okay, you're you're getting real specific here, so I'll collapse all these other possibilities because you told me that this is who you are. So when right. you really know who you are, there's no sentencing. It it's a it's a glowing orb of source consciousness at the core of your being. And by making those statements that I am this, I am that, whatever, that you are making that a reality. That's and so correct. like you're saying, you're, you're totally disregarding what the real possibilities could be because you're so focused on what you think you should be. Well, I mean, it's not that it can't help you. If, if I'm as a, uh, I'm just dreaming this up. If I'm a woman in a, in a domestic violence situation and my spouse beats the crap out of me every day, and then I say, well, I'm strong. That's a good thing. Because I'm trying to grow that that archetype, that persona in me, so I can stand my ground and get some some depth to my situation. So, it, but once you get past a particular barrier, and, and and your consciousness rises to a point, then you're not as fond of taking on these personifications of self. When you say I am this or I am that, who is the I am? That's Christ consciousness. That's your flipping wand. But but to have a lot of uh, static ideas of who you are, that doesn't serve you in in the. Uh, I I want to understand the most profound possibility of this of me persona in this collective experience that I can possibly do that. And I know in order to do that, I have to vibrate with source consciousness, and that has zero stigmas in it, none. To be able to accept all that is as it is right now. That's, yeah. I, and I wanted to ask you about the the collective consciousness around us. So, I mean, I'm, I, I want to get to that point, right? I guess we all do. That's probably a lifelong 
endeavor if we're, if we're lucky to ever get close to it. But what can we do about the, like the collective energy around us? I mean, I'm sure you feel what's going on around us in the world just today over the past, you know, year and a half, we've been dealing with COVID and all this stuff, you know, unprecedented challenges that we've had to face and our lives are changing and kind of going back to the beginning, we're feeling we don't have any power to do anything. Right. Well, well, don't assign a belief to it. This is good. This is bad. That's just another stigma. So like, uh, I'm going to use terrorism. Okay. Terrorism. Okay. People, people blew up a building full of other people. Oh, listen to this language. Wow. That's curious. No association. That's curious. What would motivate a consciousness to play out that dynamic? What would they have to believe about themselves to be motivated to take that action? I'm not judging it good or bad because both the light and the shadow, the darkness, all consciousness is divine consciousness manifesting. And so if I see a very dark thing, no matter what it is, huh? Huh, I'm not going to say that's bad. I can say I don't prefer that. But if I if I posture with that and say, oh, my God, I don't want that, I'm collapsing a realm of all that is. And now I have a stigma, and chances are I'm going to perpetuate that in my existence because I have an energetic uh, response, just like the anger in my psyche to be able to accept all that is as it is right now, if that makes sense. Right. And wow, is that a practice (laughs) to try to accept all that is as it is right now? I mean, you kind of have to be vigilant, right? Because it's so easy for us to have these visceral reactions because like the example you mentioned, if I see a bombed building and, and, you know, people are hurt, you're automatically going to think, oh my God, that's that's horrible. That's bad. Those people, how can they do that? Right. They become them, right? You know, I'm not like them. Well, they're part of, it's a holographic uh, source field. So yes, you are. We're one with all that is. You have the potential to, to come to that point in consciousness within your own persona. So tell me again how that's not part of you. I'm I'm... Right. Uh, I mean, it, the, it the exists, devil's advocate. <laughs> it exists. But you're in right. Our, it exists in all our potential. So that's why I say right. the, the the curiosity thing, huh? Huh? How did somebody get so convoluted in their idea of what? And and that allows compassion. That allows um, you, you just don't want that stigma. Right. And compassion and forgiveness are are big things to master as well. I mean, did that play a lot in in your life, you know, trying to deal with coming to terms with things that you learned with with your family dynamic and those kind of things, and then being able to move into a space of forgiveness? Oh, sure. That must be, you know, really helpful. Oh, you bet. When um, I'll use the example of anger, when people have a a behavioral tactic with anger, like my father would become angry, that gave him a sense of control because nobody would challenge that. 
And I'm sure he was scared to death when he was angry. Um, and anger is typically a secondary emotion. So I can't imagine because I, I see pictures of him as a teenager and he's this happy farm kid. He wants to go fishing and he's got this genuine innocence. And then he goes to war and he's forced to murder nonstop for years. That had to rip his psyche to pieces. And and the root feeling is, oh, my God, this is so painful. My heart is cracking. I don't want to shoot these people. That's the initial emotion. And the secondary emotion is, why do I have to do this? And that's anger. And so once I recognized what was motivating his behavior, I had an immense amount of compassion for my dad. He could chew on my right. fanny all he wanted to, and I'll just hug him. Isn't it interesting when we look back at our parents as real people, you know, as children and, and the things that they felt, because when you're younger, you don't, you don't think about them as separate people, right? you know, and what they went through. So it, I, it is interesting, the awareness that you get when you can get to that place and then you can bring in forgiveness right? and, and healing and healing can happen. It, it's been so cool to talk with you. I mean, we have just a, a minute or so left, but I wanted you to be able to tell people, you know, what you're working on now. I mean, this book, Citizen King, is available, the revised and uh, and new, new and newer and improved uh, version. And you've got some other things in the works, too, that you could tell us about. Well, um, I work on my consciousness every day and I'm just getting into this realm, the spectrum of, ah, I'm just, I'm kind of dumbfounded by what my soul is showing me. I've, I've learned to trust that I don't have to figure it out. My soul will show me some flippant, huge idea of what my life can be. And I know it's a, it's a possibility and I don't want to deny any opportunity to to manifest my potential and so my next book is going to be like uh, this is the first time i've uttered these words trust in the dream or something like that it's like it's like uh, my ego burns up in in um in excitement i mean i don't know how to describe it it just my mind is blown away by what my soul has shown me my life can be, and I don't want to miss a thing. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> wow. That sounds amazing. So this, this is a, a book that you're, you're working on, like the, the information's coming to you and you're just kind of putting it out there. Yeah. I've got a few things I got to wrap up and then I'll open a word processor with a blank page and start typing. Let it go. That's right. That's usually when the best things happen, when the magic happens. Yeah. And if people want to get in touch with you, do you do uh, coaching? Or I think I saw you, you may have been doing something like that on your site. Do you work with people individually well, uh, or? Uh, I'm looking at um, bringing that back into my modality. But right now, the best thing you can do is... Um, get my books. I, I think I have a, a very fresh perspective and you can go to newhumanliving.com and sign up for the newsletter. And every week I try to write a very compelling view of what's happening in the collective. 
And I saw you do have a blog that you uh, participate in and put out there. That's my newsletter. Can find that on, oh, that's your newsletter. Okay. Yep. And they can find that on newhumanliving.com. That's correct. And for a while you were, you were doing a radio show. Do you have a podcast or anything in the works? I, I've, it's been every week for the last over 10 years. It's every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain, New Human Living Radio. And you can find that at the newhumanliving.com webpage under the radio tab. Um, so this Wednesday night at 7, we'll be live once again. And we've had all the shows are still in the archives. So there's hundreds of spiritual and metaphysical conversations um, that you can start listening to today. Um, call it up on your phone while you're driving to work and have a spiritual conversation. Join us in our conversations and grow who you are. So it's been that's a, great. Yeah. 10 years. Lot. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time to do a show. Hundreds of, of episodes. So we've interviewed quantum physicists, shamans, light workers, channelers, psychics, every walk of life. And we're just getting started. You've had some great people. I saw you had Bruce Lipton on there and you've had some really great guests on your show. So I urge people to check it out go to newhumanliving.com. And Les Jensen, it's been so nice to spend some time with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.